Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Samuel Adams Returns. Those anti-federalists, as I always say, they had miraculously got it correct when it comes to what could happen with the Constitution of 87. This is Tom Novolis, your host. I am absolutely delighted today, as I mentioned to you a week ago in the newsletter, to have uh, Mark Pukita with us to talk about Ohio Issue 1. Now, if you're not familiar with that, Mark's going to give us a good rundown on the detail, and we want to unconfuse you a little bit as to what happened back in August with another issue one, and that went down in defeat, and touch on that a a tad. But this issue, as I brought to those particular that I've uh, had in my Ohio Constitution classes, the left has been attacking the state of Ohio for a good number of years and making us an example for as a national test bed. So if they could get a lot of their insanities into Ohio, uh, they think that they can then more easily approach uh, the other states with similar types of actions, amendments, legislation, and so on. So with that, I would like to, again, introduce the face that you see there on the screen is Mark Paquita. Mark, uh, give us a little bit on who you are, your background, and uh, let's start with that. Okay. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, My background, I come from a lower middle class family, uh, ended up at Ohio State from the East Coast, did an engineering degree, worked for major corporations like IBM and EDS, Electronic Data Systems, Ross Perot's company. And in 1996, I started my own company. I lived the American dream, uh, sold Mm -hmm. that company at the end of 2019. And I was not happy with the way things were going in the country. And I thought, you know, what am I going to do with myself? And it was perfect to get involved in politics, um, what I would call conservative activism. You know, I ran for the U.S. Senate. That was a long shot run. But I didn't want Rob Portman to go unopposed into the primary. And lo and behold, he didn't just go unopposed. He went away, which I think was good for Ohio. Absolutely. And uh, ran against a, a Kentucky Derby field, J.D. Vance prevailing. And I think J.D. Vance is doing a great job in D.C. Yes. I'm, I'm actually ecstatic. I'm not just happy. I'm ecstatic with what he's doing. And uh, so after I lost the, uh, the pri- in the primary, we started this group called the Grassroots Freedom Initiative. Uh, it's designed to tie patriots together across Ohio, grassroots conservatives, into a voting block that kind of moves as one. So the politicians in Columbus and in D.C. can't ignore us. We want to put a group together that's big enough to swing elections and uh we're uh, a good part of the way there. We've got almost 12,000 people on our email list. We've just launched an app and we'll just continue to grow this. And with help from people like you publicizing it uh, and just uh, good folks in Ohio doing some heavy lifting uh, to make things like this happen. That, that's fantastic. I, I think that is one of the uh, elements that really impresses me about yourself is that after the end of the Senate run, and I have to agree with you, I am totally surprised by J.D. and the the work that he's been doing back there as well. I'm ecstatic about uh, how he's been handling himself and what he's been doing in the Senate. But to you, uh, a great kudos 
in what you're doing. Uh, right. The other candidates that were during that season, if you will, uh, they disappeared, which is most unfortunate because uh, they have either the clout or other uh, capacities to execute so much more. And I, it, I know it's a conundrum to many. And sitting back, and I've been working with uh, efforts with Tom Hack from the very inception and others uh, through the state of Ohio, and longer than that, as a lot of my listeners know. But the, the fact that you're hanging in there and you're actually doing something, I, I tell people, you know, you're the guy that uh, is actually putting your uh, time, effort, and finances uh, into all that that you really do believe. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Uh, you're yeah. Welcome. I, I, but I do consider it a duty. Uh, this country, this state has been very good to me. Uh, I've been blessed. Um, and uh, I, I just want to protect that opportunity for my grandkids, your grandkids, their their kids. Uh, the, yep. These are this, the things we're dealing right with right now are generational issues, and um, they're they're extremely important. Absolutely. So let's talk about that generally generational issue just a touch. And uh, as I noted in the email, let's go back to like 1911, 1912, real right. quick. Because right. what we saw then, we weren't there, but what historically was the idea that the, the progressives, which were huge, coming on strong. But as you mentioned, Rob Portman, and we can talk about our former, the former Speaker of the House the, down there in the Cincinnati area and all of that. When they go away, they're still highly influential uh, within the Republican mechanism or the uniparty mechanism in, mm -hmm. in that regard. So do you see uh, from that historical perspective what happened with uh, the August issue one and trying to change how we amend the Ohio Constitution and the money that flowed in for that? Uh, do you see any tiebacks uh, from a historical perspective where we have progressives and uh, Republican uh, corporatists coming together? Yeah. Um... So I will encourage, and maybe you've done this before, I will encourage your, your viewers and your listeners to take the Hillsdale Constitution course. It's free. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, get through it to the point where you learn about progressivism in the United States. Because if you can't, if you don't learn that history, you, you, it's very hard to understand where we are today. And you can get uh, hoodwinked by people who tell you this is the way it's supposed to be. This is the way it's always been. Uh, this is true democracy and all of that. That's that's all hogwash. Right. Uh, and it happened after Teddy Roosevelt, I think, was upset that he wasn't getting his way in a number of areas. And so this progressivism kind of kind of kind of took over like a cancer. And so we are one of only 18 states that has ballot initiatives that can be citizen directed or citizen initiated. And, and that's a lie in and of itself because of the, 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 the signature requirements are so intense and so large that the only way you can really get this done is by having a lot of money. And of course, that money in Ohio comes from outside the state. Yes, I, I did an analysis when we were fighting the first issue one, which unfortunately we lost. And we can talk about that if you'd like. But 
there have only been two or three initiatives in Ohio that have that passed with more than 50 percent, but less than 60 percent uh, uh, vote. There's only three. And they had to do with casinos and marijuana. It, it was all business oriented with outside money or special interest money. All the others were like kind of like common sense, slam dunk kind of yes or no votes. And, you know, Ohioans were being misled in the sense that there were lies of omission being told about issue one, what it what it would do, what it wouldn't do. And then compared to the rest of the country, where we're only one of like eight or nine states that has an unqualified 50 percent level. Right. So we are the test bed, uh, along with a few other states. And if you go to the progressive websites and you look at what they're cheering in terms of the, the efforts that they've got underway, ballot initiatives in those states are front and center on every one of those websites. Yep. So we are being taken advantage of. We're, we are a red state. This is unacceptable. And, and I think the issue really goes back to we have a very weak Republican Party in Ohio. It's almost non-existent. And that 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 exists is extremely corrupt. And when I say corrupt, I'm just not talking about money. I'm talking about dishonesty. The 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 mm-hmm. principles in the Ohio Republican Party are not being honest with Ohioans and Ohio Republicans. And so we're fighting them, the Democrats, and this outside money and with our one arm tied behind our back because of these being one of the few states that has a 50% level. So, and nobody wants to talk about this. Right. And the Republican Party didn't fight very hard, if at all, for August issue one. No, I, mean, I agree. We, we have just decided... We're, we're, we're not working with them. We're not really talking with them. We're going to build a caucus within the party that's kind of a freedom caucus. Mm-hmm. And, and we're just going to ultimately we're going to have to steamroll them because they will not get out of the way until they've just been eradicated. I, I don't know how else to put it. No, I totally agree. You know, I've seen that in a number of different states that I've had the opportunities to uh, either speak at different conventions or different events, uh, as well as what I saw uh, when we lived up in Washington State. Uh, we're seeing a lot of interesting things up in Idaho right now. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of good citizens up there that are taking on a similar initiative to what you're doing, and they're really uh, doing a lot of pushing forward. So with what that battle is right now that you describe, uh, I'm not going to let it go when we get close to the end. I want to make sure people understand the effort that you're working with, what the name of the organization is, website, all that contact information. And we are able to help move that uh, forward as well. Awesome. Thank you. But let's take and do here. We got about three minutes left in this segment and introduce this present issue one, because uh, as we get into the next portion, uh, there's some thought process that I want to throw out there as far as following the money. So this is the most morally destructive uh, initiative that I have ever seen presented to change a whole society. That's starting with the state of Ohio. And with that, we're at that three-minute mark. So go ahead, and I'll catch up with you. 
So this issue one is called the right to reproductive freedom with protections for health and safety. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is clearly an abortion bill, a parent's right bill, and a, a bill to divide us based on the um, the intensity with which people feel about this abortion issue, which has been entirely trumped up because if you look at the polls, abortion really isn't a top five or even, even eight or nine issue, but it is a divisive issue that that brings out, I think, the worst on the left and the worst on the right. and. Yeah. We on the right, many of us get suckered into this because of our right to life, respect for life perspective. And, and I think we have to be, uh, much more, um, strategic about fighting this um, amendment. And we can talk about that in the next segment, but yes. I think that the, the way to defeat this thing is on the parental rights messaging because as we're door knocking, as we're talking with people, as we're phone calling, as we're texting, as we're selling yard signs, people may be for abortion, but they are certainly not for gender transition and having their parental rights taken away. Yes. And then when you talk to them about the fact that you can get an abortion under today's Ohio laws as they stand. And I've got the list here of the Ohio revised code mm -hmm. and, and every one of the issues that they come up with that, that is supposed to be a showstopper is not included in current Ohio revised code. And so we, we need to get that message out to the disengaged, either apathetic or, or busy, um, voters, because I think if they look at this and they understand the truth, yeah. which is coming from the media, if they understand the truth, they make an easy decision to say, I am voting against this. Yeah, perfect, Mark. We're at our last 30 seconds. So uh, again, I, give us the name of the organization that you're facilitating forward, a uh, website, and you got 15 seconds. Okay. Grassroots Freedom Initiative, GFI Ohio, GFIOHIO.com. In the upper right-hand corner is a Join Us button. You hit that, you go to a form, you fill it in, and we'll be back to you. All right, perfect. And we'll pick it up in the next segment. Thanks a lot, Mark. Be right back. You're welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this next segment of Samuel Adams Returns. Tom Davolis here with my guest, Mark Pukita. As we continue to talk about the present issue one, and uh, the focus that we left off with in that last segment was around uh, parental rights. No matter how contentious the abortion issue can be uh, for every and all, the real question comes down to who has the right of the child? And that's something that government, since you could go back to Bill and Hillary, where they said, you know, let's take a village to uh, bring our children around, and it's gotten worse. With the We've seen in California and how the trans bills have gone there, Oregon, Washington, the whole left coast, and mimicking their insanities of destroying parental rights. So this is now a 
constitutional test bed around that, not a legislative test bed. As we all know, legislation is a lot easier to change over time. But once something becomes constitutionally set, it changes everything for generations, as Mark brought out in that first segment. So, Mark, why don't you go ahead and pick up uh, and fighting this battle, what you've uh, been seeing as uh, and there's been training around folks going out doing door knocking and and uh, getting the message out. This, I think, has been a great effort in getting the message out more so than I have seen uh, in decades. So with that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Unfortunately, we should have put that effort into um, uh, August's issue one, because I think that that would have been an easier fight to win if we had really gotten everybody rowing in the same direction with the same synchronization. But we didn't. And so there's nothing we can do about that now other than look at that history and learn from it, use it as a teacher. Uh, this this amendment, what bothers me about it. So during my campaign for Senate, I, I said that I wanted to go to Washington and write better legislation. What do I mean by that? This amendment is like a lot of legislation in D.C., It's very loosely written, and there's a lot of room for interpretation, and that is intentional. Yes. Now, in legislation from the House or the Senate in D.C. or in Columbus, that legislation, if put into law, goes to the various uh, departments within the executive branch and gets enforced. But... They write codes and regulations to fill in the blanks, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And this is another way. This is like we've heard of legislating from the bench with judges. This is legislating from the executive branch. And we could do a whole show or more (laughs) on the Administrative Procedure Act and all of that. But so but in this case. This legislation, excuse me, this amendment, if passed, would get interpreted by ultimately the Ohio Supreme Court. Yes. And so the goal here of the people who want this to pass is to get this very loose uh, uh, language passed and then try to get a majority on the Supreme Court and then just start having precedent after precedent after precedent set by the court to 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 translate this into the common law that we see used every day there there is a long-term strategy here it isn't new it's been used in a lot of areas and so for example this is the reproductive uh uh freedom and protections for health and safety, and not once in here, reproductive freedom, right? We're thinking women, men don't typically talk about reproductive freedom, right? The the word woman isn't mentioned once in the amendment. Nope. Then they talk about every individual. It isn't every adult. It isn't every person of majority. It's every individual, meaning that minors, Mm -hmm. theoretically under this law, or, or this law of the land would be able to go get abortions without parental help. And there are protections in this that keep the 
people who are providing the healthcare services from basically being sued for the work they're doing. Right. So, so then you get into the uh, reproductive health and freedom and you start to, you see the language and, and you can see how now we can have people counseling kids on their gender identity without talking to their parents and having no liability for doing that, perhaps giving them hormones, perhaps even sending them for gender transition surgery without the knowledge of their parents. Right. And so you say that can't be possible. So here's what happens. The first case is possible. They go and do it. Parents go crazy. Parents get a lawyer. Parents sue. It goes to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court says, you know, you don't have a cause for action here. Right. That under the Constitution, this was constitutionally allowed. Mm -hmm. And then and then not only is it possible, but it is protected. And and I think until Ohioans dig into this and see it, sometimes it's hard for them to believe it. And so I'm telling people, you got to do one of two things. You've got to dig deep on this and you've got to look at everything. And, and I am convinced that if the facts get out to Ohio voters and they have all the facts, they will make the right decision. And the right decision will be to vote no on this. So if with that, just, gonna... just, just real quick, everything that you were just saying and articulating, I took my 14-year-old grandson through just the, the five major elements you know, relative to destruction of parental rights. And he goes, how stupid could people be to vote for that? That just doesn't make any right. sense. So if you right. get a 14-year-old that can say it doesn't make sense, so the adults are just ideologically bent. So I'm sorry to interrupt you on that, but no, I, I just had no, to bring that out. I, it's no, like, but, but, but my point is, if we had a media that was willing to to be honest and look at this, yep, you know, and report on it factually, have one have debates one side against the other, multiple, not just the night before the election or something like that. I don't think that this this would stand any chance of passing. But yeah. if you are a person who is not going to go look at the details, you don't have the time, you don't have the desire, then you've got to find someone you trust who will go look at the details and give you the honest perspective on this. Right. Because I would love nothing more than to be able to sit here with you as a, a, a third party uh, disinterested arbiter and have someone on the other side talk to me about their interpretation of this. I think if we had more of that kind of back and forth, this would be a, I'm not going to say a slam dunk, but it would probably be something that would end up being defeated by well over 60% of the voters in Ohio. No, I but agree. I fear that that's not going to be the case because yeah. we're, we're getting our message out about the facts on this. We're being shut down. Yeah. Yeah. There's, you look at the money and you look at the advertising, even the YouTube advertising of that, there is nothing that is contrary to a yes. So there's no no 
uh, advertising that I've seen out there that's really making the media. So that follows back through on, you know, where's the money? Who, who's the money coming from? Those outside interests, the money coming, any of the internal interests are those from the various associations that are going to most benefit from it. Correct. So let me throw something at you just to think about. Throw this in your back pocket or under your hat or wherever you want to. But uh, I was doing a study on Ohio State and uh, relative to COVID and the millions of dollars that Ohio State and Ohio State Medical, which is its own entity, but highly drives the revenues for Ohio State to my inter my perspective would be Ohio State does not need a single taxpayer dollar Absolutely. Uh, because of all of that. But uh, to that point, not to belabor that, when we look at all these special interests within Ohio and who are going to benefit for, as the medical uh, businesses, uh, the legal system, and so on, the outside monies that are coming are those collaborators with those internal uh, perspectives. Are, are you seeing that? Is that what you, you've yeah. uh, been able to ascertain as well? Yeah, so so exactly. So the Ohio Highlands for Reproductive Freedom, which is a, a kind of a consortium of all of these different groups. And if you go to their website and you look at the bottom of all the people that are involved, these are far left groups. I mean, mm -hmm progressive far left groups. Then you've got Ohio Physicians for Reproductive Rights. Yep. That's a pack. And those are the people that are going to benefit from what will become an abortion industry in Ohio, but also perhaps a gender transition industry. And if you look at the money behind that, it is billions and yep. billions of dollars a year. Yes. And and parents need to understand that. And then they're being fueled by Planned Parenthood, the ACLU, and a number of other extremely progressive organizations from outside the state. And they want to use this as a test because if this passes, then they'll take, take this as a case study to other states and be promoting the fact that Michigan passed it, Ohio passed it, we're going to pass it in XYZ state. Right. Uh, and, and these people are evil, okay? Yep. They're greedy, they're evil, they have no conscience, they have no soul, they will lie because they feel no regret or remorse. It's all about them getting their way with your kids. Correct. So, so let's circle back now and really talk through, uh, and not giving away the whole strategy, but the strategy and come back to the organization that you're working with, because I think it's a it's a really good model uh, for other states to uh, work towards as well. And I don't know if you have any collaboration with some of the other states out there that are up against some of the you know same walls. My my national view is that everybody you know goes and wants to stick their thumbs in their suspenders uh, more often than let's sit down and and have some uh, humble. Uh, inner relationships to find our common ground to defeat the enemy, as you said. So with that, go ahead and take uh, two minutes to talk more about the organization, the efforts that are going on, and uh, you know what you would like to see on a larger uh, opportunity. So what we're trying to do with the Grassroots Freedom Initiative is, is what I would call fill in the gaps between uh, the things that are already being done. So for example, let's talk about issue one. 
it seems to us that the right to life groups are all about yard signs and door hangers and doing door knocking. So what we're doing is texting, we're doing phone calling of pastors, we're, we're selling uh, at cost magnetic car signs, you know, rolling billboards, magnetic bumper stickers, stick on car signs, stick on bumper stickers uh, to to for for awareness. Right. Using the the uh, effective frequency marketing ploy or, mm-hmm. or 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 theory that says you where I see something seven to between seven and 20 times yep. and we remember it. Right. So issue one. No, that's what we want people to know. We, we don't really care if they, they learn all about the amendment. If they get the issue one, no, and they walk into the voting booth and they hit issue one, no. Yep. So, so that's what we're doing. Um, but we, we're also mission first, okay? They're, they're, I think you alluded to it, but there's too many personality first organizations. Yep. The right to life groups within Ohio don't work well with one another. You got that's about 40 ridiculous. seconds, Mark. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah. So uh, if people want to get involved with us and do some real work at any level, five minutes a day, five hours a day, they can go to GFI Ohio. That's GFIOHIO.com. Upper right-hand corner, there's a little join us box. You hit that, you fill in a form, and you can get involved with us. We need more people. We're coming into crunch time. Uh, We're really going to start calling pastors here over the next few days uh, and make sure they're aware of what's going on. Excellent. And, and more and more churches that I've been driving by in our area have uh, the no signs out in the uh, obviously common area outside the sidewalks. They're doing that. One of the things that I want to leave you with, uh, everybody, is that Sam Adams understood what it took to get grassroots movement. Mark does as well. So, Mark, thanks for being here and look You're forward welcome, to Sam. another time talking with you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this last segment of Samuel Adams Returns. Those anti-federalists absolutely got it correct. I hope that you will take and go to segment two for the full interview that I had with Mark Pukito in relationship to Ohio's issue one, which is a morally, culturally devastating uh, amendment to the Ohio Constitution that fundamentally, as we drove it down, it's not about abortion. It's not about reproductive rights. It's about stealing children forever in the state of Ohio. It's about parental rights. It's about that core element of who is God, government or the almighty God, as I talk about, a lot of other times. And it's real critical to understand that here in Ohio, this battle, once again, as we brought out in the first and second segment, is a test bed that will be coming at every other state that has citizen initiatives that can amend those state constitutions. So this is a this is a real battleground and the money is pouring in. Go back into the second segment. Mark lays out where the money's coming from. And fundamentally, what it comes down to is the evil. Now, a couple of points that I want to raise about the evil 
is what's happening in Israel. And let me, before I get to that, let me go back and once again thank Mark for being on the program. I know that we could have gone a lot longer, and hopefully I can get him back on the program to talk about some other uh, components of what he's doing in the future. But right now, thankfully, Mark is focused on this effort to uh, defeat issue one. But let me do something really thought-provoking with you. I want you to think about the mutual genocide in Israel relating to issue one in Ohio. Well, Tom, that's such a stretch. It's really such a stretch? If you're going to perform genocide on the unborn up to the time of birth, who financially benefits from that? We mentioned that in the last segment. Who is financially benefiting from the mutual genocide going on in Israel right now? And I use that term, mutual genocide, to say that what is happening with one event is now happening with the other. I am going to direct you in this to two different threads. Uh, one actually is called uh, the, what is it, uh, Thread uh, Reader or th Thread Reader app or something like that. There's a link to it here that someone brought up. But when we look at this, it's interesting to uh, summarize that what, what's really going on here? You know, Israel's calling it their 9-11. And what I appreciate is the person that is writing this talks about, well, look, uh, World War II was fully entered in by Pearl Harbor. Uh, and that's what I think Netanyahu is saying. This is their Pearl Harbor, their 9-11. But in both scenarios, this particular writer says the American government received intelligence in advance of the attacks but chose not to prevent those attacks, the why being that the American government was willing to sacrifice the lives of American citizens in order to advance geopolitical goals. So I want to ask you this in relationship to the geopolitical goals of America or the disintegration of a constitutional republic called these United States, or the United States. So think about why was Nero fiddling in the White House? What do you mean Nero fiddling in the White House? You know, what's burning down? The country's burning down when we really look at it. And Biden was partying with live music when all of this was happening and then conveniently went to bed and never took that three o'clock phone call. The question has to be, what was going on with the American intelligence community uh, who is very tightly tied to the Israeli intelligence community? And it, you just don't miss these things. Uh, I mean, 
when you think of the Israeli intelligence community and what goes on there, you think of Mossad and their capabilities, especially with their next-door neighbor enemies, I have a hard time believing that it was missed. But to that point, what we have now is these terrible bloodlust actions, frenzied on both sides. Uh, here's some things to note brought out in this uh, thread reader app is that uh, none of the facts add up. Innocent civilians are being threatened with genocide. They're in Gaza. They're what happens in Israel already. Innocent people in one kibbutz, 100 people murdered, other people being murdered, the potentials of many in Gaza being murdered, escalating violence throughout all the Middle East, Iran, they have always been participants in the side of evil. And so it's just gut-wrenching no matter which way you look at it. So a lot of people are sitting there. And then one of the elements that I want to bring out back and what I talk about eschatology all the time, what do you believe around the end times? What we're seeing now is the bloodlust of a lot of pastors that you would have never thought would go in that direction. But, oh, no, this is the precursor to Armageddon. Come on. It, no, it's, I don't know. It's ugly. It's ugly warfare. And the idea that it is a precursor to Armageddon is very difficult for me to swallow. Uh, what I want you to have from some real rational thinking from a Christian perspective is I will put you onto the link, which is there at samueladamsreturns.net. It's part of the program, is a uh, blog post by Pastor Wilson, Doug Wilson, put out a moral compass and the ball-peen hammer, which talks about uh, not only what, what, what do you see from one side to the other. The moral debacle is on both sides. And I know from having been in the Middle East, having been in, in a number of different countries, what can happen with the radical Muslims. I know what could happen because of uh, just twisting of the mind because of belief system. And I've seen what can happen based on revenge. And it's all ugly. But... I highly recommend that you take a look at what uh, Pastor Wilson has in there in relationship to his blog post. I think it's uh, very uh, settling for me, but will be disruptive for many people whose eschatology is now seeing that Armageddon is finally going to occur. 
Well, think about it again. But tying to that point, I want to bring you back to another interesting article based on uh, Wayne Root and what he has to say, and the title of this article is, If You Think What Happened in Israel is Terrible, Where Is What Open Borders and Tens of Thousands of Chinese Military-Aged Males Are About to Do in the U.S.? We are the Alamo. Now, Many of you who have listened to this program in the past and who may be listening to it because of the fact that I interviewed uh, Mark Paquita about issue one, I want you to know that I have been talking about this for over a decade because a good friend of mine was involved at the uh, military college, this was the, obviously the senior officers warfare college, and did an analysis on Chinese immigrants 10 plus, 20 years ago, let's say, 20 years ago, where it was already, we had Chinese infiltration into the U.S. And then back in early 2000s, I was on the Energy Security Council and on that, we would get the briefings from FBI, CIA, you know, all of the different three-lettered agencies that were active at that time. And we knew about terrorists coming into America then. That's 20 years ago. So my friend's report would actually be 40 years ago, if you really want to look at it, when he did that report on the Chinese citizens. But look at what's coming in. What came in from Afghanistan on those young men? What's coming in with the criminal elements from uh, Venezuela and other South American countries? What's coming in from even the legal migrants of potentially Muslim nature from Somalia? Ladies and gentlemen, we have a cauldron cooking here in the United States, and we have to have our heads about us. We have to take and understand not only what the external political pressures are, but what are the internal ones, especially when we are allowing from the Open Border Society, we are allowing the no prosecution of criminals. So we have the criminal element that is being allowed to become the ruling policing class in America. Look at Chicago, look at Philadelphia, look at all of the major cities where people are being taken advantage of. And that takes us to the international perspective of what's happening in Palestine. What my international travels have taught me more than anything else are that people are people. And the normal person that is living wants to work hard and take care of their families. They want to provide for their children. They want to take care of 
their spouses. They want to farm. They want to produce. They want to do those things that we were designed to do by God, but obviously sin has corrupted to the highest levels. And then we have the corruption of those that want power and control and monies and how the people are used. Ladies and gentlemen, when I think about what's going on in Israel, I want you to be aware of the total circumstances from a global impact into what is going on in these United States with all the illegal immigration that has occurred and how many are not out there. Do I know all the answers at this moment? No, but we will try and address some of it in the next program or potentially in another pop-up program this week. Sam Adams understood what legal immigration was about and what it meant to fight for liberty in this country. Come on back next week. And thanks, Mark Paquita, for interview time.